Today is April 13th, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki Naganago Mekoche Chestokom Aki or Dekots Nogotine Siku. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake Tribe in Treaty 11. My name, Dekots Nogotine Siku, is in Satu Dene. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene Nation is a visitor to this area that I'm in called Klinchotine Indhe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, another English name, which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavis uh, Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I am the daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act status card. Um, that is a colonial construct. It's meant uh, to divide Indigenous inherent rights. Uh, Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. Now, I don't speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share my journey as I walk the red road. As a Dene woman who has attempted to run and joined harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions, just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow for incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have work to continue. Reports to advocate for and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope that we honor the many Indigenous lives lost for the so-called country of Canada, or in the States, the US. Um, I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping harm as a citizen, see your role in reconciliation, and as a treaty partner. Pride Month should never be just one month. It's important to understand the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous people, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called so time of re reconciliation. Um, it's important that your land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with an acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, and how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen in Canada or the US, a refugee or other land displacement, so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nation's name, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you are from Show me that you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. 
Um, I recommend many books throughout my entire podcast, and uh, you can actually watch Jesse Winty's Unreconciled Chapters and Chat Book Club with us, and he talked about this very perfectly. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism, but that would be a part of understanding a treaty partnership, meaningful reconciliation, and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane has taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me. I think I said that wrong. Let me say that one more time. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation, but I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the Imposius Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chiniki, Bearspaw Nation of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd just love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. So I'm really honored to um, have a guest with me today and I'd love for you to introduce yourself in your way. Sure, you have a fantastic intro. <laughs> I was like taking notes. <laughs> uh, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Kinsale Drake. This is how I present myself to you as an Navajo woman. I'm calling in from Tongva lands, though I'm about to go up to Ohlone lands very shortly. And I'm really honored to be here and I'm excited to start you know, talking about books, talking about the good stuff. Right. So I've been running a book club since like 2016. So I like, I just, all I care about is like promoting indigenous authors and, and talking about colonialism and politics, because I know this sounds ridiculous. So I'm 46 ish, I think. Yeah, I think I'm 46. <laughs> and, uh, you know, honestly, I, I wasn't given like, I know who my mom is. I know who my dad is, but because they had a nasty divorce, I was really disconnected from my Indigenous family. So I wasn't taught how to deal with white supremacy or anything, right? Like I, I just was so crippled, actually, by not knowing who I was and being able to understand and explain who I was. Now, I would argue a lot has changed since about uh, 2015 uh, here in Canada with us, you know, really being open and honest about who we are and, and what, what's going on. But uh, you're in the States and, and it's a different world there for me. Um, I follow a little bit about the state's politics, but it is it is way different out of my wheelhouse to be talking about other than you're my cousin and a discussion, right? And we have to be in solidarity with each other. And everything I've ever seen on you from social media is like, you are one of those people that 
like I get really inspired by youth and you're one of those people that inspire me. So I was really grateful to kind of like, you know, really encourage people to get to know who you are and listen to your voice as you move forward. And uh, yeah, grateful that we connected on social media and now here today. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm really excited to be here. And I, I, I'm, I regret to say I, I don't travel too much up north of the colonial border, but I am super inspired by so many writers from First Nations communities. And, you know, I, I have a bunch that I share through book club and it's always my dream to get up there and do events with them. But I'm glad to be here. I'm happy we connected over social media. I feel like a lot of my, a lot of my closest friends uh, I've made over the years are like through social media to some extent, which I feel like is true for a lot of folks. But yeah, I mean, we could talk forever about politics and literature and education here, you know, in the U.S. and I'm sure in Canada. Uh, and and there's so many ties to books and and you know how I was raised, how you're indoctrinated, things like that. Uh, and it closely ties into the work we do at Indian Girls book club um and you know what our goals are what we're looking to do with kind of unfurling that history that indoctrination um but also like finding these like very beautiful I I don't know I just love doing it because it's I get to read books and I get to read beautiful stories and I get to read about joy and love and I was just reading a children's book we got last night and I was like oh this is just the best job in the whole wide world (laughs) for a book lover you know and that's really what I want to do here too I think uh, so we know here in Canada, like our curriculum is just crap when it comes to Indigenous issues. So a lot of folks ask me, oh, what books do you recommend, blah, 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 blah. And of course, I just say any Indigenous author in Canada, but I don't want to exclude the U.S. I want to know what are some of your favorite books that you like to tell people, um, maybe, you know, whatever you'd like to share, because for me, I think uh, I have a lot of folks in Canada that were originally born in the U.S. and even given education in the U.S. And they say it's so inadequate, too, as well uh, down there. And actually, my family has a lot of ties to the U.S. in a weird way. Um, my husband, who was identifying as Métis for the longest time, um, he his family was in Boston. And we, we really can't seem to find the connection of which school that his great grandmother went to, but that resulted in his grandmother and, and his, you know, um, great uncle and auntie all being illiterate because when they came to Canada, they weren't forced under Canadian colonial laws to identify as Indian, even though they were. And uh, so they just didn't go to school at all. And so they were completely illiterate. And then the next generation and now him and, you know, he was he's just been working on that, but he's just find so many barriers. So uh, we have ties to the states to um, uh, Boston area and my family through my white side does because the very first Mayflower guy uh, married a native woman. And I don't know anything about her or anything like that. I just know what's happened to me through my mom and, and that side. And that's where a lot of my colonial violence and trauma comes from, but um, is, is seeing the Canadian legal system go against my mother and going against Indigenous women in general. Um, and I just bring this up because today, out of all days, I was just going to do a TikTok on this because I can't believe it. Have you ever heard of Cindy Gladue? No, I don't think so. This is really awful. Okay, so big trigger warning. And if you don't have the capacity to talk about this, I apologize for for bringing this up. We can just cut it out. Um, She was was murdered here and um, they did some really awful things. I don't want to get into too many details, but um, Alberta, the, the people in our law system, the actual judges, they just got appointed to be like in, in a more supreme level 
And I'm just like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this, but it, it's just such a strong message towards us as indigenous people. Like we are not safe in their legal system. Right. So I, um, yeah, it's, it's just such a mess here, but I'm, we're trying and yet people are, I don't know, they're getting caught up in an election and I think stupid talking points rather than the actual genocide we're facing, you know, like they're going to talk about inconsequential things. So um, I don't know. Anyway, I'm totally got off topic there, but I just wanted to kind of give some context there of like how I'm feeling, how anxious I feel right now. And all I want to do is just spread education. And down in the States, we see the libraries just being like pummeled with this and and are you considered critical race theory but because you're not black no like how does this even work (laughs) i mean yeah on a number of levels we have a lot going on i I love for one i i just graduated from college and i i majored in ethnicity race and migration which had Mm -hmm. a huge critical race component and even going to school like my mind was blown every day in that in those classrooms like seeing just how little I had learned about everything from the American legal system to just American history all the nuances brought to light by critical race theory and so obviously seeing that being threatened everywhere from Texas to Oklahoma is really scary um uh I I'm lucky enough to be now in Los Angeles um, for the most part, but I also spent a lot of time in Utah. That's where my family's from. We're from Southern Utah. And I mean, if you know Utah, you know, there's a lot of Mormons there, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of uh, banning of books going on. So everything is just like super, super connected. It is very stressful here. Um, When I think about contemporary issues, you know, and, you know, climate change is a big one. Um, Saving Oak Flat, I've seen a lot in the news. Um, The, you know, Ugh, the Lake Powell, where my family is from, is a huge issue now because we're seeing, you know, fights over land and water. Um, and that even has to do with, you know, understanding local history, understanding the histories of the, that land and like why, you know, the canyon even has water in it. Um, and I, you know, I've spent the past few years kind of grappling with writing and poetry of my own to untangle those histories. Mm. Um, and I, I think specifically I'll start in California and I'll start with, you know, Maybe even this is, you know, one of the reasons why Indian Book Indian Girls Book Club even started. But um, I went to school in California, and uh, my my father, his family moved here uh, to Southern California just before I was born, um, and so I went to school here. But I also spent a lot of time in Utah because I was taking care of my grandmother. Um, she had a farm on the reservation, and here when I was growing up and going to school they have the missions in California. And if you're not familiar with the missions, it's, um, you know, there were very violent, um, awful sites of genocide and um, enslavement. And basically like natives were being enslaved to build them and work on them. And they're all across California. There's towns named after Father Junipero Serra, who, you know, was leading uh, their construction and seeing it carried out. And I went to high school actually across the street from one of these missions and it was like modeled in the style of a mission. So you're surrounded by like the literal architecture of these missions and also the historical and like kind of narrative architecture of them. And I have a very visceral memory of being in fourth grade. And this is thankfully something they stopped doing two years ago, I think, but uh, being in fourth grade, you do something called the missions project in California. And I just talked to Deborah, Deborah Miranda talks about this as well. She's a wonderful, um, California native writer. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, 
you know, we had to literally build models of these missions as kids in fourth grade as a required part of our curriculum. And um, yeah, as a native kid doing that, you know, you realize a little later on how awful that irony is and how awful that realization is really to be like, you know, I, I am a little native kid building a model of a mission coming from this like very insanely whitewashed history that, you know, is very, it, it they couldn't even thinly veil how awful the history was really. I remember that was, and I was <laughs> like, I, I remember it was awful. Like, like, yeah. and I remember that was the first time I learned the word rape. I said that to my mom. That was mm -hmm. the first time I learned that word. I didn't even really know what it meant at the sure. time. Cause I was like, you know, 11 and I was giving a presentation and I remember saying, you know, st that, that, that had happened at these missions and my teacher's face, I remember her see her seat, like her whole face just turning white. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. I, I think I said something a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I, you know, I think of that in full circle, how with the book club, we, we share Bad Indians by Deborah Miranda, which has so much to do with bad Indians is like bad mission Indians, basically. And it's about this, this, oh my gosh, the revolutions and, you know, yeah. the women who were rebelling against the missions and her own family. And it's just a wonderful book. Mm. But I've, I've been thinking about that a lot recently in my own education growing up in California, how, you know, invisible California native narratives were. And now, you know, all these books that we get to share that they're not invisible. It's just a matter of recentering yeah. narratives. Right. And highlighting them. And, and um, I think that's, that's kind of the thing. And, and for me, really wanting to watch what you're going through, because, uh, you know, I'm not uh, funded by any organization or anything. I just do it because it's my love and my passion. And, um, and, and it was a challenge, actually, uh, when it was 2016. And, you know, the idea of reconciliation was so shiny and new and great. And we were going to all going to learn together and Canadians were going to work with us. And then I realized it's a very small minority of people like, like we have over a million people and I maybe have six regulars, right? Like it, it's not, it's not as, I, as sexy as I thought it was going to be for folks to want to learn together and and be together and understandably a lot of indigenous don't want to um, go to it because like uh schooling here is so intensive right um so anyway i'm really blessed i have uh joshua whitehead tonight is going to be at an event doing a reading and we're going to be skyping in one of my favorite uh queer color uh men of color or people of color i should say and uh you know so i get to be surrounded by by indigenous arts, indigenous literature, indigenous people that are really trying to decolonize and de-Christianize and, you know, talk about queerness and it's in, in how it should be spoken about, how it was spoken about and, and try to heal and reclaim who we are. Um, I'm lucky enough to have these opportunities now. I didn't that long ago, actually, like this is really recent for us. So um, I'm really glad that you're, you're able to do this uh, book club, how do people pay attention to what you're doing and to follow along and maybe get the books? Because like, uh, even with my book club, there are people who can't come, but I know they'll read the book because I said, read this book or they'll read, you know, these chapters of the, of the reports that I tell them to read um, on their own time. So um, even for me, like I want to start um, taking my book uh, collection and expanding it into the states and learning a little more about what's happening in the states in the hopes that I can maybe one day stumble upon my daughter's 
history through her dad's side in a better way. So for us, if you, I mean, if you want to join our, if you, if you're a writer and a reader, that's great because that's what we do. And so it's www.indiangirlsbookclub.org, NDN, not dead native Indian. Um, we have tons of resources. If you're an emerging writer, we want to mentor you. We have fellowships up on our website, but for reading specifically, you can look at our Instagram. It's the same user. And luckily for everyone, I'm very opinionated as a reader. And I will totally tell you if I like a book or don't like a book. Yeah. Um, and so any girls book club kind of started because I was like, I've always kind of wanted to do, uh, like book blogging. Like, you know, I, I was kind of sick of TikTok books and I was like, okay, that's enough Colleen Hoover. You guys need to read <laughs> native authors. <laughs> and I just started posting books that I was really enjoying. And I think it started with the night watchman that just won the Pulitzer, but I was like, this is a damn good book. And I, more people need to be reading this and not freaking, you know, TikTok enemies to lovers, whatever. I'm like, here's a better romance. Um, but yeah, we share books that I really am enjoying. I'm reading woman of light right now. And it's amazing. Um, I, I share my opinions on books, but I also like publishers and authors will send us their books. And, um, I don't accept books that like, I don't think are for our audience or, you sure. know, that I don't genuinely enjoy. Like yep. the, the books that we get from publishers are usually children's books. Like we are water protectors, which is a beautiful book, mm. um, or YA, which I think is really important because, you know, I think there's a huge gap between, native YA and speculative fiction. Like there's a lot of adult books and there's a lot of, there's, there's a good amount of children's books, but I think that middle grade area, it takes a lot of work to fill that out. So recently we've been focusing on that. So if you're looking for like middle grade, whatever, we have reading lists, we have tons of recommendations. Um, you can always come to me and you can always ask me for recommendations too. It's, it's I run the Instagram. So I'm, I'll always tell you, I'm like, that book sucks. Or like, this is great. I'll, I'll always tell you. So that's so funny. Um, I should uh, totally call out Ken Lit and be like, dudes, why aren't you sending me books? Just kidding. <laughs> oh my God, just send them an email. No, seriously, you should. Just send them an email and be like, listen, reparations. Send me yeah. some free books. Like, come on. <laughs> right? Holy gosh. Yeah, I, I want to ask you, and I'll tell you, um, first I'll ask the question and then I'll answer it so that I give you time to think about it. Um, I What is a book that has absolutely changed your life? And I, I have this book here uh, and it's called The Importance of Monogamy. And it talks about how Christianity was imposed um, and how how making this province of Alberta that I live in was imposed. And it was funny, you talked about being from Utah. We actually have tons of Mormons here in Alberta because they actually left the U.S. to come to Canada because they believed in monogamy at the time. And Blackfoot actually do as well, but it's a different type of belief system than the colonized way. So um, I have a hard time saying it's the same because it's not. Anyway, tons of Mormons came up here for ref as refugees they thought they were being persecuted in the states and uh they talk about that in there as well and how kind the blackfoot had been to the mormons but now we're in a moment in time that like it, it's just so bad and racist and our women are being murdered and going missing all the time and the police are purposely you know messing up our cases the crown and the and the legal system purposely don't uh, prosecute not at data really this book changed my life in the sense that it really showed how colonialism works as a blueprint 
you know, from, from point A to point B and how it also erased the two spirit and the, the gendered roles that we have here. Um, it, it just was so great at really kind of like opening my eyes about how colonialism works. So that's like my favorite book. Like I, I recommend it to everybody and a lot of people don't get it, but we also just did the book club on the true spirit and original intent to treaty seven. And there were still people that didn't understand why I think this is the foundation of truth and reconciliation. So, you know, like it, it's funny how things resonate with, with me because it's so painfully clear, like it's black and white right there, but with people, it's like such an abstract idea. So I'm going to ask that question one more time. What are your favorite books? Change your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first one I can think of in terms of poetry that really changed how I thought about Native poetics was Whereas by Lily Long Soldier. And I think if you want to actually understand more about uh, federal Indian law and U.S. apologies to Native Americans, you should definitely read that book. Uh, The whole book is a response to Obama's apology to the Native nations, which is, I mean, if you don't know what that is, it's as ridiculous as it sounds. It's like a very short apology footnote (laughs) that was like an apology for like the years of everything that they did. I say everything that they did because that's, you know, how specific they got. Um, But that book is, I think, just genius about you know, dissecting colonialism and violence at the level of language, the level of the sentence, mm-hmm. how apology can still erase and um, enact violence, Band-Aid. And I think that has to do a lot with the reconciliation in Canada. You know, yes. apology is not the same as healing or or understanding and comprehending history fully. And so that book is genius at interweaving history and then personal anecdote and it shows you know at an interpersonal level and a broader level how the past weaves into the present how the page becomes a place where you know even violence can be enacted but also language can be used and shifted to enact different things it's just I love that book I love Lady Long Soldier so much Mm. um and and similarly this is this is like my critical race theory I I had my mind blown in college a lot um reading critical race texts but this is not a book but I would suggest this if you if you ever you know want to the legal system is very confusing and I'm sure it is everywhere but in the U.S. it's it's very confusing because of all the red tape with federal Indian law and understanding your positionality as a native person in the U.S. it it has a lot to do with legal stuff because you're a political and legal subject of the U.S. uh, nation state so there's a paper by Maggie Blackhawk if you ever really want some you know, a little more intensive reading. It's called Federal Indian Law as Paradigm Within Public Law. Um, I believe that's the name of the the article where she talks about how the entire foundations of U.S. law are based on the doctrine of discovery and on, you know, anti-indigeneity. That piece, when I read it, I think I was a sophomore in college, it just blew my mind because suddenly you can totally crumble American law as you know you can just understand and see all of its faults and yeah. see how it stemmed from anti-indigeneity and anti-blackness specifically um so that piece I I think it actually helps me understand Lily Long Soldier's book and it was great to have in conversation um besides that I think The Night Watchman by Louise Erdrich The Roundhouse by Louise Erdrich was this is so funny because it's again has to do with law but mm-hmm. I'm like not all my favorite books are about law but but that was you know the first time I'd seen something like um before I knew what MMIP was mm. it was a book about 
a woman who had gone missing and a family searching to find her. And, you know, I, it was the first time I had seen something like that in, in contemporary fiction that was written by a native woman that, you know, I felt that I could understand and even to an extent relate to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure many of us have lives that are touched by that epidemic. Um, but the night watchman, I think of too, because, Weirdly enough, it was like the first time in adult native fiction I had read of a pretty healthy romantic relationship between uh, native people. And I don't know why that really stuck with me. It just was a really lovely, it was nice to have like a native hunk who was like not toxic <laughs> in a book. And and I remember having a huge crush on him and I was like, oh, this is new. Like I've yep. never felt this way. Uh, yeah, so I'd have to say those. Yep, I hear you. I hear you about that. We're having a crush on a fictional character. Um, I don't know why in my head I had pictured Twilight's a wolf pack so differently until it came on the big screen. I'm like, oh God, ew. <laughs> and then they actually made fun of my generation for like, oh, look at all these mamas looking at these little boy teenagers. I'm like, oh my God, this is my nightmare. Oh Lord. So, but that was one of the first times there was representation ever. Mm -hmm. that I had come across was Twilight it sucked so yeah welcome to my life <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, now, oh my god like oh look my at god TV, like reservation dogs and um I loved Rutherford Falls like freaking loved mm -hmm. it but apparently they're not going to make a season three so right um, that was my jam because it was so nerdy girl boss behavior I was yeah. like this is this is the so I have a dream and and y'all can quote me on this in 10 years if it doesn't happen but I have a dream of doing like a sitcom or like a little show about native girlies I see native girlies but I'm talking like queer and like you know different types of, of native femmes yeah yep. native femmes in, in the city uh whether that's Oakland or wherever San Francisco LA you know but I really want to make a show about that and like you know dating whatever I just think it'd be so funny like like oh. it would be so ridiculous well I'm, um, I'm gonna have to add Adam Beach because I know he's gonna be all over that and Michelle Thrush <laughs> she's here in Calgary so she'd be oh, all over wow. this too we have yeah. a really great group called Making Treaty 7 and they they were like founded with Indigenous people and some non-Indigenous but like good allies and um, yeah. and then there was an awful tragedy I won't get into it but anyway it has continued to thrive and um, and we get to see Indigenous representation in plays in the form of plays and I just love it but I I just wish I had more time and money and for for that sort of thing I'm such a nerd right like I, I just I, I care about Mandalorian I care about Star Wars and a comic-con <laughs> so and, and whatever book i'm reading i'm actually reading a black author she's from montreal so our uh black uh a lot of black people out east they kind of really talk about the foundations of black people coming into canada before it was canada and uh anyway this book is really good it's called why i don't talk to white people about race anymore and apparently she did a blog first and I haven't read it, but I'm reading her book. And basically the book came from the incredible like international uh, uh, viewers that she got for writing this, this blog. And of course she still talks to white people about race, but it's just that, you know, it's that uh, it, just a really great book. I'm really, I find it warming up my soul because it's like, you try to talk, I, I do, some facilitation and I just talk about racism all the time and then 
you know, you come across all these people who are committed to misunderstanding you. So at times you get a little discouraged, but uh, books like this kind of feed my soul. So, you know, what are books that feed your soul? Oh gosh. I, you know, I gotta say actually, and then I have a question for you. I gotta say a lot of graphic novels and I'm really happy that I've been finding more um, shout out to a tribe called geeks books and comics. It's, it used to be, um, red planet, but now it's a tribe called geek. Uh, they are so my people because I grew up reading so many superhero comics, so many graphic novels. I preferred them at one point to actual, you know, traditional liter like books. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm so pleased to see that there's more native people writing graphic novels those really speak to me I think as a kid I was super into cartoons I was super into Teen Titans like just specific like maybe even a little darker than normal animations and that was because I had an older sister who was goth I had a I had an older sibling who was really into like really specific they were just nerds so like I always had an interest in kind of these weird things and um, not that they're weird, but at the time, you know, like the <laughs> the cool white kids were not reading comics and graphic novels. Um, but that really spoke to me. And I'm I it's my dream to write one, first of all. But I think I've I've really been resonating with a lot of the stuff I've been seeing coming out um recently. And also the Marvel's indigenous voices. I mean, they're just so badass. Mm. Um, but my question for you was, and and this is, you know, you can answer however you want. Did you growing up, did you have any fictional characters or, or book characters that you imagined were native or that you just like assumed were native in your head, if that makes sense, or this is like a native <laughs> thing, you know? Yeah, no, I, I wish, God, I wish, <laughs> you know, but that's what I think that's why I like star Wars because it was the closest yeah. thing to like native that you yeah. could get like Chewbacca like I, I absolutely want to pay the money one day when I have money I'm going to uh, get a sleeve done a Star Wars and it'll basically be Yoda now we'll have to add a Grogu and um, and Chewbacca because Chewbacca kind of symbolizes to me uh, one of our sacred teachings uh, in my language it's Naga in others it's like Sasquatch or Bigfoot or you know like that the Wookiees are that to me right like they're just perfect creatures to me so <laughs> Yeah, no, that's totally, I mean, for me, it was Princess Leia because I'm, uh, my family is descended from Hopi and Paiute peoples, but oh, um, my mom, yeah, my mom growing up would always, you know, we'd watch Star Wars. I love Star Wars as a kid. And Princess Leia was obviously my favorite character, not just because she got to kiss Harrison Ford, but because she was a badass. And uh, my mom would always explain, she'd be like, that's Hopi hair, you know, yeah. they, they, that's, that style is Hopi hair. And you know, there's, there's women who still wear their hair like that. And I thought that was so cool as a kid. I tell everybody. So Princess Leia is indigenous to me. Um, I got to say, hello, Kitty. She's a native in my head. She's just like, she's a, she's a native icon. <laughs> things like that. I'm like, there's just things that are just so like indigenous and it's hard for me to, to separate them. Yeah. Uh, but I think Star Wars is a big one. I think there's a reason why Grogu was such a phenomenon with yeah. his little like the he moment he it. came out, the native community was like, he's ours. Just <laughs> stop everyone else. He's ours. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and for a whole season, we didn't even call him that. We called him baby Yoda. We didn't it was even baby know his Yoda. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Because right? we didn't even know. And and now mm -hmm. Asaka Tana is coming out. So I'm super excited. Like she, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I mean. Like I, I just relate, had always related to them. And ironically, I haven't watched the blue avatars um because oh my that's my life Good. that's like literally yeah. my life 
but my daughter she's really are they are really into um avatar ang like with the yes with the yes yeah. that's yes yeah. that's like our one. family yes. is totally about that avatar like we are all about that because that is so indigenous but not so yeah and then the um the water tribe seems like like they're the enough here uh what do you call them there um inuit yeah okay yeah yeah, i don't want to use the other e word i don't want to use that word no absolutely not no there's there's a lot of different peoples but i think specifically it's it's the i would say like the inuit peoples are the inspiration that's how we would refer to them down here i have a pet rat she's white she's over there um her name's princess yue so like i'm a huge (laughs) I'm a huge fan. <laughs> You're I not going to believe this story, but in Alberta, we are rat free. We're not allowed to have rats in the no city. No way. Yeah. So all the farmers who live around the borders, like that's their job is to do rat patrol. And uh, now that said, we do import some rats to like feed like a snake or something, but uh, like you're not allowed to have like like you're just not allowed to have rats. If you, there's a rat line, you're supposed to call. I think I seen a rat. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible that's that's so sad to me rats are like the yeah they're I, I I know people like some people with the yeah, I I get why some people are traumatized because of rats but like domestic rats I think are some of like the sweetest oh, domestic I rats bet. are native to me I like oh. native girlies love domestic rats most of the time they're it just doesn't like even this. make sense we have muskrats <laughs> we have yeah. like uh weasels what do you call weasels ferrets sorry like we yeah. have a, a whole fa- like you can have those so it doesn't even make sense the stupid law this doesn't mm-hmm. make sense at all well that's wonderful well what else would you like to tell us today i know we're going to wrap it up um just to make sure we get out everything that we want to say other than i'm really grateful to have met you and i really appreciate the work you're doing down there and uh uh, solidarity 100 percent from calgary alberta which is actually mokinstis but (laughs) thank you um i i don't know i mean if if you have any book recommendations if you're an author listening or a writer um send a message. I I'm very responsive via DM or email. If you have recommendations, if you want to point out a new book, um, I love getting recommendations. Um, if you are a young writer, or you know, a young or emerging writer, please send them our website. We, that part of book club, I think people don't realize is the name book club seems like it, it's just one thing, but we're really not. We started because I have five or six years of experience, um, as an educator, leading workshops across the the country and um and I, it, even beyond that honestly and uh you know i i lead them virtually too and so part of our work is mentoring emerging writers giving them the confidence to continue doing the work that they need to do at every level um and also my 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 work is also in retaining native students in higher education i don't know the the statistics for up north but here you know we're p- pushed out of higher education for a variety of reasons yeah. and you know some of that as somebody who did creative writing in college and was the only native writer in my area uh at all in the creative writing program uh it can be really hard but when you have other people you know are are they have a love for it there's a need for it there's a need for your voice uh you you just get encouraged to write more and more and keep up the work so we just want to be that for you if you're a young writer and um I was just like you at one point I mean not that long ago I'm 23 you know six seven years ago I thought that there were no native writers contemporary native writers that 
would ever write about something I could totally relate to and understand at the levels that I do now. Um, so the, yeah, they're out there and we're, we want to help you find them. So, well, maybe uh, I'll be able to co- connect my little one to you because yes, please. You know, I really want to encourage her, them in the best way that I can. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you're doing this work and you inspire me. And I'm so proud to, to have had you on my podcast. I, a lot of my listeners listen in on, in Ontario, out East and in Alberta. So maybe a few of these uh, folks who want to be good allies will hire you in so that we can start inspiring another a group of, of young natives to be writers, because I think it's so important that we're finding our voice and saying it. So hats off to you for the book club. Hats off to you for your writing. And thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right on. All right. And now I'm going to give some resources. You're more than welcome to hop on at, at any point if you hear something you want to add to. So I want to let people know our Indigenous Book Club. We just um, wrapped up this book on Treaty 7 where we're at. But we're, the next one will be uh, the calls to action for the National Inquiry into MMIW. So please come join us for that. If you aren't a part of the Reconciliation Action Group here in Calgary, please start a committee or look at some of the work that's already being done in the Indigenous community that you can add your voice to. Uh, May 5th is Red Dress Day, so likely there is going to be an event somewhere in your area that you can be a part of. So have a look in your local Indigenous community to see where a Red Dress event is. I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and cultural safety training or cultural first aid in all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous, people of colour, those with disabilities, and 2SLGBTQ to speak. Thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca, and they have a wonderful section. I always try to go on these websites just to make sure they're still working. Uh, They have a whole section on what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it. Their work in those cultural action tools are available, so please do that as part of your reconciliation and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experience by the structure of racism. You can go to racialequitytools.org. There are tons of resource files, and Donna Bevins has a good part about what is internalized racism. And it's really really important to understand those oppression dynamics in order for us to continue to do the good work. Uh, Do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So AFSC.org has the do's and don'ts bystander intervention. This helps when you see a person being targeted. Uh, Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they are cutting violence prevention programs, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. 
Here in Alberta, the Kenny government created 113 pathways to justice. So all of you blue voters should be holding your blue MLAs to account. And to our friend here, uh, it's exactly opposite than in the States. So our conservatives are like your Republicans and they're blue here, but they're red there. Pretty funny, I know. <laughs> Follow the new Premier's Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls work. Municipally, we have the White Goose Flying Report. Denying these report, reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, educational, health, uh, every institution you can think of with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties and local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. You can actually Google how non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies and find some great articles. Uh, Stephanie Harp and I had an emergency podcast in the hopes that we could encourage our allies to write about the crises that we're facing. And now we're seeing all sorts of interesting things. Anyway, sign up to aboriginalalert.ca for the missing um, and exploited Indigenous people in our area. At least that gets there through either the Bear Clan or through uh, the police. You can also download the Missing Children Society of Canada app to learn more about the missing children. And I am going to constantly refer to women's ho how the women's homelessness.ca. I say houselessness, so I got that all mixed up. But women's homelessness.ca has a demand for urgent action to protect the lives of Indigenous women, girls, and two spirit and gender diverse people experiencing houselessness. So, um, the other issue we have is the opioid crisis and we're just dealing with an unsafe supply here in Alberta. If you are a status indigenous person, a status native, I don't know about Métis, I'm pretty sure Métis, but status natives for sure. You can get the nasal spray, the Narcan, the naloxone kits, which are the needles you can get at it, like non-indigenous and indigenous can all get the needle naloxones all across all our pharmacies. They're not supposed to hassle you, but uh, anyone who's listened to my podcast know they hassle, uh, but that's not supposed to be the norm. Anyway, have it on you all times, anywhere you go, give it out free, frequently and get more. So you can also, if you're using, please don't use alone. If you are using alone, you can go to the National Overdose Response Service at 888-688-NORS for support, or you can download the Brave or Doors app. There's actually no evidence to prove that they're helping, but at least there's something. I hope that we can um, have somebody with you. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also go to their website, hopeforwellness.ca, where they have a little text option. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. Uh, most non-Indigenous have a functioning 211 in their area. You can also try to call 833-456-4566 or go to crisisservicecanada.ca. Our 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta is at ssisa.ca. And... 
The following are 2S LGBTQ supports. Uh, you can go to lifevoice.ca. The Trans Lifeline is 877-330-6366. And for youth, 866-844-7386. Thank you, Trevor Project, for all you do. Violence is at my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation faces it. This is my self-care, how I take my power back. This is why I started my podcast, to speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership, shaming, gaslighting questions, because many people don't understand us and don't want to. They don't know anything about colonialism, the constant surveillance that we are under, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. So I and many others share every day what is going on be trauma-informed folks like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping as well as external racism so yeah masi cho to my ancestors to my granny to my mom what strength looks like through your example i want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt my stepmom for showing me a proud culture through her austrian family and roots and to my husband darcy for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband and childhood friend, he's the father of our child and my support down the journey of the Red Road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, Thunderbite Necklace Woman, we are blessed to learn from you daily and we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and a stronger person. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future trying to discuss these present day issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe. And I just want to say thank you, folks. I will definitely be going to Ottawa for May 4th convention. So if you want to make a one-time donation, you're more than welcome to again there. Thank you. And I want to end by giving side-eye to the Calgary Rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. My beautiful cousin responded, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you so much for listening, folks.